That's right, this is the first Echo episode where we don't ask a question in the title. Hi, my name is Matt. With me today is young Michael. Hello! You just summoned Cthulhu to my office. (laughs) Is it just in your office? It's just there. He fits in there? Yeah, he's not actually as large as we thought. That's good. Is bigger than Mama or smaller? Mama is my cat, and uh, I would say bigger because nothing is quite as small as she is. She's a very tiny kitty. Uh, but we so digress. <laughs> we digress. Uh, this is why you should buy Call of Cthulhu. The official video game is the entire title. Oh, so they uh, slap that on. After yeah, the they colon. do slap that on. Uh, it is a survival horror role-playing game developed by Cyanide and published by Focus Home Interactive. And Focus, they were originally making the Sherlock Holmes games, who are now, they've moved on to a different publisher and are making The Sinking City, which is also a Call of Cthulhu game. It is weird. So there's like a crossover. I reckon there's a bit of espionage going on there. Or maybe they're backing each other. They're like, you do this part of the Lovecraft mythos, and we'll take this part. Uh, Because Call of Cthulhu, the official video game, is the official, comes from the Call of Cthulhu pen and paper role-playing game, uh, which, I mean, it can't get any more official than that. Yeah. Uh, So, like I said, this is... There's not a question in this title. This is why you should buy it. I'm not asking. I'm telling. And I'm also telling you, I'm convincing you to subscribe and to rate highly on your favorite podcast app. <laughs> and that's how I segue here. And here we are in the, <laughs> <laughs> this ethereal realm. Okay, okay, before we dive in to why I should pick it up, I feel yep. like a big part of it. Do I need to understand Cthulhu as like a mythos to be able to play this game? I think you need to understand Lovecraft as kind. Of, it's it's almost like an emotion. Uh, Extra credits did. I think that's the name of the YouTube channel. Uh, they did a video on why no games have done Cthulhu justice and all their points I think this game succeeds in and what they say is it's Lovecraft is a bit of it's more of an emotion than like Cthulhu isn't necessarily this big dragon octopus guy but that that feeling of dread that feeling of humanity being so insignificant and that feeling of isolation. But that last one, I feel like it, it kind of misses the mark because it's there's this, you're on a small island and at first it's like, oh, something's weird's going on. And then by the end of it, it's seriously, it's such a small island. Everybody's kind of, oh, yeah, 
<laughs> That's Cthulhu. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know Classic. him. So, yeah, and as for good or bad, uh, Steam has uh, Call of Cthulhu 7 out of 10, I believe. And then you've got GameSpot being brutal, 5 out of 10. And Oof. IGN, 8.6 out of 10. <laughs> so, 7 out of 10 seems seems right. It seems like a good middle. So, we're looking at uh, a good game. Not an amazing or a masterpiece sort of game, but it, it should be a solid, good experience. I've heard it's particularly story-driven. Oh, yeah. It's hugely story-driven in... The first time you play this game is amazing. Like, I played this. I'm sorry for my partner. We said that we would swap controllers. I never did. I held that control the entire game because it was riveting, I tell you. So you've completed it? I've completed it. I finished it twice, actually. Oh. And I even tried to speedrun it on stream. How did that turn out? (laughs) Not great. Not great. That's... And that's the kind of con side of it. But the pro is when you're playing, you really you don't have any idea what's kind of going on with the story. But at the same time, you know exactly what this story is. This is, if you've not heard of any Cthulhu, you'd be in for a pleasant surprise. But if you have heard of it, don't expect anything groundbreaking story-wise. Like you, you know the drill. You know there's there's a cult, there's a giant monster. Like you know what's going on. Uh, the only thing really is when it comes down to specific monsters, because there's not just Cthulhu. In fact, Cthulhu. If if you're getting this to play Cthulhu, mm-hmm. you'll be sadly mistaken. Oh. This is it's not called Cthulhu. It's called the Call of Cthulhu. It's not about him. It's about his phone, alright? <laughs> He's like, hey, can you come pick me up? I'm just outside this like little island. I don't know where I am. Uh, if you can try and find me, that'd be great. <laughs> I can't afford an Uber right now. So <laughs> I'm gargantuan in size, so I can't fit. Uh no. So there's all these other monsters, spoilies a bit, and they they range from their entire part of this game is just that they are there in a flash, and, and then they're gone. Okay. Uh, they look similar, and I'm not sure if that's supposed to kind of go into mythos or if it is the same one or if they just couldn't afford like to make more monsters than one. But there's at least three, possibly five. Uh, And to go into how many monsters there are, like the monster side of things, uh, which we all know, at the end of the day, human is the real monster. Yes. And that's... Man is the ultimate hunter and the ultimate prey. Oh, my God. (laughs) And it's that thread that you pull on, and it's... Also, the fact that your character really doesn't know what's going on, and it's never in a, oh, come on, that's so obvious kind of way. It's really smart in the sense that um, if you play a part of the game and you overhear a conversation, you can talk about that conversation. But then, say something messes up, power goes out, 
you boot up your PlayStation again and you walk directly to the person and you didn't have the opportunity to hear that conversation, that dialogue option doesn't come up. I love it. Uh, yeah, and it's like that's really intelligent, I feel. Uh, and so that kind of makes the game a lot more dynamic and it doesn't feel cheap when your character, Edward Pierce, when he doesn't know what's going on that doesn't feel cheap and because it's never obvious like it's not like it's spelled out in front of them uh it's a giant fish dragon like that's never although they do there is this one part you're in the hospital and there's this doctor who exudes evilness it's like okay he's yeah he's evil he's obviously part of this he's probably trying to make a mini cthulhu so he can have in his room Uh, (laughs) and then he's got all these books on cephalopods yep and you're just like, okay, that's try a bit harder. <laughs> Come on, cyanide, try a bit harder than that. Uh, do you think? Do you think it's a, a good idea or a bad idea? That so, w- what you're suggesting there with needing to overhear a conversation is uh, fantastic for sort of gameplay and story, but. Does it does it take away your deduction abilities? Like you have to detach yourself from. Is he like it, D- Detective Pierce? Yeah. Do you sort of have to detach yourself and go? Oh, I think I'm figuring it out, but he hasn't learnt that piece of information yet. I need to go get that piece of information. See, I don't think that's a problem because the only way you could get to that kind of crossroads is by experiencing it once. And then you learning that information at the same time he would, and then somehow restarting the game or rebooting the game. There's never was a point where I thought, oh, it's so obvious that this is like, oh, it's so obvious that that's what happened. Uh, the only thing is, uh, I won't go into detail with this because I do feel like it is intrinsic to the story, mm-hmm. but uh, there's one piece of evidence. That he just goes, ah, oh, some stranger did this. And you're just like, or it could have been anyone. <laughs> it could have been someone we knew already. Like, he, he's adamant, someone else. Someone I don't I, know has done this. Someone someone who definitely isn't involved in this crime. Because it's it does a pretty good hook where it says, you know, you're a part of this agency and the agency says, you have to take the next case, otherwise you're out. And then this guy comes in and says... Uh, my daughter, who cr- paints these crazy paintings, uh, died in a fire. And you go and you inspect the fire, and there's all this intrigue and this pain, loss, suffering, and romance. No, there's no romance. Uh, that's really what's well, missing. <laughs> if you want there to be, there's plenty just... of uh, appendages on the show with all Cthulhu. That's what I was about to say. I would live for. So, we are these insignificant ants, and then what the storyline really is is Cthulhu is in love with another elder being, uh, and we're in the way, essentially. No, that's what Call of Cthulhu Two should be. <laughs> does this does this leave a space for more, or is it a very self contained story? It is a very self-contained story, which I really like about it because I do feel like the games industry as a whole has kind of 
come into like if you look at God of War or Spider Man or any PlayStation exclusive, they're always kind of going, uh, oh, there's gonna be another one. And there should be. And I think that there should be another Call of Cthulhu too. But before I tell you why, and before I convince you to buy you know I'm right because I'm rhyming. <laughs> uh, let me go through the cons, and the uh, cons here we go are a part of the double-edged sword that is those pros. So, trying to speed run this and trying to play it a second time is really what gets the cons showing, because when you play it the first time, there's a sense of naivety. You try to do something and it fails, and you think, "Oh, that's it," like. That's just how it goes. But when you're playing it a second time and the thing that worked fails because everything, it's kind of like Morrowind, everything you do has a percentage chance to succeed or fail. Oh. And it's a crazy chance. Uh, and it can lead to, if you fail, there's like three ways to progress a game at the very beginning and all three ways can fail, which leaves you having to kind of unnaturally talk to someone who it doesn't make sense for you to talk to them. And I felt like that's a bit odd. But if it was the first time you were playing, maybe it wouldn't be that weird. Unintuitive, perhaps, but not that weird. But when it's the second time you're playing, hang on a second. I don't like the fact that I can be a quote-unquote professional, but I still have a 50% chance to not pick this lock. Is that the is that going by? I seem to remember Call of Cthulhu on pen and paper would have like what what was the percentage of a professional? Because a master was even like still only eighty percent or something. It's a very punishing pen and paper game. Does it not translate? Like it doesn't. It's not natural to do that in a video game. See, the reason I don't think it makes sense to carry it on like the way that they have, which is it is very you know true to the pen and paper but in the pen and paper you you have hundreds the limit is your imagination that's the whole point of pen and paper games is you can think of anything therefore your character can do anything whereas in this game there are only three paths perhaps once you exhaust two of them the last one becomes a hundred percent chance underneath the covers but then I'm thinking at the same time, well, then that's that's Cthulhu, isn't it? Is It's so insignificant that no matter if you fail three times, like that's just Cthulhu. You're just going to fail. And so that con is kind of a pro. But I'll tell you where it's not a pro at all is the fact that you have a skill called Spot Hidden. And oh, every time you, you move into an area... It rolls an invisible dice, and some objects will be hidden. But the problem is, is that locks in permanently for the rest of the game. So, what? In my second, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you can go back to an area, but that item will still be gone forever, That's... even if you up your spot hidden. Doesn't make any sense. That'd be like me walking into a room looking for uh, some, like a coin I left somewhere, and the first time in, I'm in the room. I don't notice it. I then leave. It's gone forever now. (laughs) Like, yeah, you've lost it. It's gone. Logic would just suggest that there's a chance that you'll be able to find something different about an environment when you re-encounter the environment. 
not that you will never learn anything new ever again. That'd be like, that'd be like, I don't know, reading a book for the first time. And, uh, and so you didn't figure out who Voldemort was. And you're like, well, I'll never know. I don't understand why Harry's fighting this Tom guy. He seems perfectly swell. It doesn't make any sense. I must have missed something, but if I reread it, I'll never figure out what I missed. <laughs> That's why it's, it's like the book That's... from Harry Potter, because the <laughs> words, they fade into the pages. Oh, it's a terrible analogy that I've made because it's a terrible idea and nothing yes. is like it. It's exactly right. So I'm trying to do full insanity, full occult, full Cthulhu. I'm pretty sure I don't know because I could never finish it. I I have it under good authority that you become Cthulhu because that's what you would do if you find all the occult items. Uh That makes sense to me. No, that's a joke. Sorry. Don't get your (laughs) hopes up. You're not going to become Cthulhu. No, Uh, I have heard many just uh, strange things. People often like to joke that... Because it's all about summoning Cthulhu. Like, why can humans summon a huge demon from another dimension? Um, but that feels like it makes sense to me. I don't know why people don't find that makes sense. Well, when you look at... Because the story of Call of Cthulhu in this, it's... I would say it's taken effectively an hour in Cthulhu time which is decades and decades and possibly centuries of human time shambling together this summoning. I would say that's about now Cthulhu time of, hey, they're actually calling me. Oh, cool, I'll go do that. So it makes it, like, it's not suddenly you find the Necronomicon and then you suddenly summon Cthulhu. It's not like that, and that is good. And is it always ambiguous? Like, is there always a part that you you leave a Cthulhu story or this Cthulhu game where you go, there's a possibility that it's not real even in their own universe because so much of it is based on insanity. That is one thing. There's there's nothing that it's really... Um, that really lends to that. Like, it kind of says, this could be all fake, but then it... It always has that. Well, it's not because it's so obvious. Okay. <laughs> like no matter no matter the ending, like all the endings, there's there's no good ending in this game. Spoilers, which is good. That's a good thing. That's what you want. Uh, so I could never finish that full occult ending though because I could never get that one item. And there's only a select few of them. There's no other way to boost that skill except for finding this item. So I'm just locked to that ending. Uh, And it's not necessarily easy to get any of the endings. And there is that moment of helplessness at the end where if you've gone too insane, and by too insane, I mean you've dipped your toe in the water. It kind of... you've, You've kind of just gone... Like, it's it's gripped you already, so there's a bit of helplessness there. And so that's good. But these cons, I'm not as emotional as I was, but I tell you, when I was streaming this on Thursday trying to do a speedrun, I was livid. Now, that's a pretty, and, that's a pretty terrible mechanic. Especially, especially when if, you... 
Yeah, I was going to say, when you're going through it the second time and it basically, the one chink in the armor and the whole thing just breaks and you're like, oh, this is the game. The first time you play it, beautiful. But the second time, mm, not good. Is it sour taste? Is it their way of increasing replayability to be like, not everything is going to go the way you want it on a playthrough and there are five different endings, so play the game again. I feel like... I feel like it goes against replayability because what you know did work doesn't and there's not necessarily a good reason for it. Like in one universe, you can pick that lock, but in the other universe, you can't. But the only reasoning is just because. I feel like it should be more like the Fallout system where once you have that certain like speech skill, for example, you will succeed in that. You have gotten that speech skill yeah and thresholds if, are better than dice rolls yeah or maybe even if there was an area of dice roll where it's if if you're at 50 percent, then there is a chance if you're at a 40 percent, ch- then you have a slimmer chance but if you're at 60 percent, you've hit the threshold you will unlock this door okay yeah that would be better so you take and, a gamble if you're a bit under leveled but there should also be a cap where it's disregarded. And that's what they need to do. And that's why there needs to be a Call of Cthulhu 2. Because I reckon, unless the Sinking City really just takes it and is like, yep, this is the uh, Lovecraft game, and then we get a Sinking City 2 or something like that, that'd be good. But for now, focusing on what we do have, we should work to get a Call of Cthulhu 2. Call of Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu to... Electric Boogaloo. Fing Louis Mugglewanaf Cthulhu. Really are. Wagonuggle Fatagan 2. Finugan Dibertap Claritar. So, there's only one way we're going to get Call of Cthulhu 2, Michael, and viewers, listeners, and that's if... You buy Call of Cthulhu 1. That is why you should play. Now, I have been playing another game recently, The mm. Witcher 3. But before I played The Witcher 3, I had to play The Witcher 2. Not not too bad. But before I had to, before I got to play The Witcher 2, I had to play The Witcher 1. You Call poor Cthulhu soul. Cthulhu is The Witcher 1. <laughs> oh. See, well, that puts that's... me off. That now puts me off a bit. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's nowhere near as bad as The Witcher 1. <laughs> But I'm just saying, you can't have The Witcher 3 without The Witcher 1. That's true. And we can't have the majesty that will be the next Call of Cthulhu. The Call of Cthulhu where they've learnt all the mistakes from this, one that maybe isn't so obvious in its storyline, something that could actually be revolutionary. We can't get that unless we all buy Call of Cthulhu 1. And I'll tell you what, it's a steep price, $90. Oh, Australian is a steep price. Again, (laughs) these are two big blows for it. Yeah. And I love this game. I would say I love it. It was a good fun. It had a bad taste at the end, but I still love it. And I gave it back after the week. Got my $90 back. Oh, okay. And do you know who that's good for? 
It's good for me. I get my money back. It's good for EB Games. They get to sell it pre-owned where they get to keep all the money from that tr- next transaction. But it's also good for Cyanide because I'm pretty sure they get the money when I buy it the first time. That's true. So. Buy this game. If, if you are in this situation, if you have this possibility, like if you are in Australia, uh, don't do this too much. Otherwise, they catch on and then they stop you. Is that true? Buy it. Yes. If they, if they figure out what you're doing. Right. Buy it. Play it for a week. I guarantee if if you go, I'm not going to play anything else but this for a week, you will finish it. It's not that long, especially if you need to look at a guide. It's really not that long. It will, if you, you, To speedrun, it only takes an hour. So it can be a short game if you need it to be a short game. Uh, What's the hour speedrun? You just go insane and die early? <laughs> no. You just know because it's very puzzly. It's very clever. It's it is a, like it is a good game, and it has segments where you gotta go. Okay, how am I gonna figure this out? Like, how do I get through this? Like, how do I get through this abomination? How do I get through this abomination? And it's very clever. But once you figure it out, like the first time I tried a particular boss, the second time I you fight the shambler, um, it was. You know, the first 10 minutes was just figuring out the puzzle. Like, what does this want from me? And then the next 10 minutes was done. Easy. Like, got it. This long convoluted puzzle, not anymore. Uh Like, once you assimilate the puzzle, once you get each individual puzzle, it becomes very clear how to progress. Okay. Uh, So take advantage of that. Play it for a week. Return it. And then, hopefully... If we reach enough people, maybe, just maybe, we can get a Call of Cthulhu 2. Because I'm afraid that they won't. I'm afraid that the steep price and the not the best replayability will lead to a stagnation of this game and chaosism will not try anymore. But I reckon we can do it. We can get a good, like, and I mean good. Like, this is a, this is a good Call of Cthulhu game. But if we all buy it, we will get a fantastic Call of Cthulhu game. And if we buy enough uh, Sinking City as well, if we do the exact same thing with Sinking City, like, this is... I'm going to step away from being on the side of Call of Cthulhu, the official video game, and step (laughs) into the side of I'm a fan of Lovecraft and all of that. If we do the exact same thing with Sinking City, then... They'll probably try to make a sequel, which means they'll be playing off of each other, which is good for us consumers because one will be trying to make the better game than the other. And it'll be a good time for all of us. Do you think that they should have not gone for a $90 game as their first attempt? Do you think they should have maybe pitched more of like an amnesia, you know, you sort of 20 30 bucks, yeah. more indie? I think they did a lot of side... Like, if instead of making it three possibilities for every level, if they just made it one possibility for every level and made it kind of shorter and more focused, it would be a bit better. And I tell you what, their budget wasn't great, which you can tell the second you see animations. The animations in this game... Oh, God. I was going to say, it's not a very good-looking game. It's it's not a very good-looking game at all. But it's a very good playing game. The gameplay in this is beautiful. Oh. Story, Mwah. gameplay. Mm. 
I like how there's uh, the specking of your like psychology, or do you know a little bit about medicine, occult? I I enjoy that and that opening up a different story and different conversations. That's probably the biggest sort of selling point to me. I love myself. Oh, I love I love detective games as well. You can listen to our L.A. Noir uh, breakdown in our full podcast. As, and we, I think we all have an affinity for detective-style games. So that definitely intrigues me about this. But there were those two big blows that you talked about, that this is The Witcher 1, <laughs> and it's $90. All right. Okay. okay. Imagine they skip The Witcher 1 and they just... Okay, you know what? Call Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth as Witcher 1, and then this is Witcher 2. Is that better? Do you feel better now? Yes. $90 is definitely still too much. Like, again, I do love this game. Probably worth about 30 because, again, that replayability. What they need to do is they need to nail that down. They need to nail down, like, I feel like... And while, you know, Lovecraft, you want to think, okay, my consequences, my actions don't have consequences. Cthulhu will win at the end, Uh, which would be nice, but I feel like it's kind of too short at the moment where the second playthrough you go, oh, well, the first time I played this, I did this, which was really, like, it was the long way around. I could have done this the short way around. And if it had a lot of branching paths that all ended to the ultimate demise of Cthulhu running over, that's what, (laughs) that's it. This is all that it is, is just... Call of Cthulhu 2 is why you should buy Call of Cthulhu 1. And there we Take a it. gamble, trade it back, <laughs> get it back, because it's not... Oof. And if you don't have the $90 to temporarily give away... like I recommend doing what I did, which is I bought it, then before my week was up, I went and said, this game is not worth $90, can I instead put it towards Fallout 76 and Pokemon Let's Go uh, and Spyro, I think. Because $90 is a lot of game. And I'm sure they would have been very happy with that. They would have been like, oh, you're going to buy other stuff from us? Cool. Nice. Yeah, they really like that. But like I said, if you don't have the $90 to temporarily not have, I recommend picking this up when it inevitably is in the $20 bargain bin, unfortunately. But we don't want it to get there yet. We want it to have a longer life. We want Chaosism to go, we want to make another one. Cyanide, make another one. I don't know what Focus Home Interactive do. They just publish it. They're like, oh, this is nice. And until then, we get to wait for Sinking City. And I'm sure we'll explore that in about five months. I think it's coming out. But otherwise, yeah, Lovecraft for all. Fantastic time. Beautiful. I'm going to go summon Cthulhu in real life now. Is that is that how it works? <laughs> is this real life or is this all just a horrible waking nightmare? Ah, oh, one last note. <laughs> I did need to say this. Sorry. And that is Bloodborne is still the better Cthulhu game. <laughs> All right, I've been Matt. I've been Michael. Thank you for listening to the Echo episode, Call of Cthulhu, Why You Should Buy It. 
trying to imagine Christopher Walken summoning Cthulhu. Thing Louis Mugwanaf Cthulhu. <laughs> I think he would be like the detective rather than the cultists. Go on. <laughs> would it be like, uh, I don't know, give me a line or something someone would say as a detective in Call of Cthulhu. Would it be like a tell me more about uh, the Necronomicon? Yeah, go Necronomicon. <laughs> Could you tell me more about the Necronomicon? <laughs> Cthulhu. Tell me about this Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs>